Amen. Well, please take your Bibles and uh, turn with me at this time to the book of 1 Thessalonians. We're in chapter 2 today, verse 17, and uh, all the way to chapter 3, verse 5. Our message series is called Lessons from a Growing Church. We're going through the book of 1 Thessalonians and seeing what lessons we can learn from this new and growing church that Paul writes his letter to. You know, in chapter 1, we looked at the beginnings of the Thessalonian church. In chapter 2, we learned lessons about ministry in the church. Today, we're going to talk about relationships in the church, how important that is uh, to Christian life and ministry. Christian love is like family love, and as we'll see, ministry love goes even deeper than that. And so we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I'm just going to read verses 17 through 20 as we get started. Please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Paul writes, But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan stopped us. For what is our hope? Our joy or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes. Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, as we look into your word this morning and uh, we look at relationships in the body of Christ, I pray that you would uh, speak to us and and, uh, encourage us in our, our love and care for each other. Uh, and our ministry to each other. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. So Christian love is a lot like family love. Christian relationships involve a deep love and longing similar to family relationships. Even Christians who've never met each other before uh, can experience this deep bond through the Holy Spirit. I remember I was visiting at the hospitals one day, and I was on my way back to the car, walking through the parking lot, and a nurse was coming the opposite direction, and she was singing. And as she got closer, I got to hear what she was singing. She was singing, To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So I called back to her, So loved he the world that he gave us his son. And then all of a sudden we're in the middle of the parking lot, we're just singing together. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. We're just singing, then she went on her way singing, I went by, we never even got each other's names, but we had a moment of Christian family love there, because we're united in the body of Christ. Um, As Christians, we belong to the family of God, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. But when we minister to others in the body of Christ, it takes those family ties of love and it strengthens them even more. I would put it this way. If Christian love is like family love, then ministry love is like parental love. Now, brother and sister love in a family is wonderful, But parental love seems to go even deeper, right? Brother and sister love comes from sharing a common life together. Parental love stems from giving and nurturing life in another person. And just as the parent imparts life and nurtures life in the child, when you minister to someone in the body of Christ, you impart spiritual life to them. You nurture spiritual life in them. That's why you develop this special love 
for them. And remember, when we talk about ministry in the church, we're not just talking about the pastors. The pastors minister, but we all minister in the body of Christ. Anytime you serve other people in the body of Christ, you are ministering for Jesus. Paul often speaks about his ministry relationships as that of a parent to his children. We saw that earlier in chapter 2 in 1 Thessalonians where he compared himself to, uh, he was like a mother and a father with the Thessalonians. Uh, Or the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he calls the Corinthians his dear children and he claims a special place as their father in Christ through the gospel. Or you could go to the book of Galatians, chapter 4, where he calls the Galatians his dear children. And he compares himself to going through the pains of childbirth uh, with them all over again. Or his letters to Timothy and Titus, uh, where he addresses both of them as his true sons. Or the book of Philemon, where he calls Onesimus his own son and his very heart. And Paul's not the only one who talks this way in the Bible. If you read through the letters of John in the New Testament, that's how John always addresses his readers. He says, my dear children, my dear children. He says, nothing brings me greater joy than knowing that my children are walking in the truth. And so, yes, Christian love is like family love, and ministry love is like parental love. And so if you want to experience really the deepest level of love in the body of Christ, I encourage you to get involved. Find a way to serve in your church. And in our text today, as we jump into these verses in just a moment now, Paul gets just intensely personal with the Thessalonians. Uh, He opens his life wide to them. He is an open book and he lets them look directly into his heart. And if they had any doubt Uh, of Paul's love for them, those doubts are forever removed when they read these words we're going to look at today. He basically tells me, he says, hey, Thessalonians, I'm missing you. I'm missing you so much. I'm missing you like a parent misses a child. And in sharing his deepest feelings with the Thessalonians, Paul then teaches us. These are the lessons we can now learn about Christian love and ministry in the body of Christ. So let's get started. There's an outline in your Worship guide, I'd encourage you to take that out and follow along, maybe jot down some notes as we go. First lesson is this, Paul teaches us that Christians have a deep family love for each other. We see this in verses 17 and 18, Paul writes, but brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. We see a number of things in these verses. First of all, that as Christians, we are definitely brothers and sisters in Christ. That's how Paul addresses them. He addresses them as family. He says, brothers, it's a family term of affection. It also signifies equality, doesn't it? Paul was an apostle. He could have addressed them as an apostle and, and you know, pulled rank on them, right? Instead, he says, hey, You're my brothers, you're my sisters. He addresses them as dear brothers and sisters in Christ. They share a common life together in Christ. Brother and sister, this is a common term for fellow believers uh, throughout the scripture. It speaks of our close family ties with each other in the body of Christ. As Christians, it also hurts when we are separated, as it would with any family. 
Remember how hard it was being separated from each other during the COVID lockdowns? Remember that? Remember your only contact with your church was either on the telephone or on a screen on Sunday morning? Remember how good it felt when we finally got to be able to come back together and we were worshiping together and joining our voices together, physical presence? That's how Paul felt with the Thessalonians. He even describes his separation from them in family terms. He does that when he speaks of being torn away from them because the word that's translated torn away here, it's a very emotionally charged word. It is literally the word that is used for someone who has either been bereaved or orphaned. It was used most commonly of children who had lost their parents, but it was also used of parents who had lost a child. It's a word that combines the idea of a forced, unnatural separation along with the accompanying grief and distress of bereavement. And so Paul's saying, he's saying, Thessalonians, I didn't choose to leave you. I got forced out. And I feel like a parent who has lost his children. His separation was involuntary. It was distressful. He felt powerful emotions for the Thessalonians. And this, they'd only been separated a short time. It's probably just a matter of months that he's been gone. And yet he's feeling all of this. He also tells them that, hey, even though I'm separated from you physically, I've never been separated from you emotionally. Right? He says, we were torn away from you in person, not in thought. The Thessalonians may have been out of sight, but they were never out of mind. Paul thought of them continually. He carried them with him in his heart. And so Paul's separation from the Thessalonians was involuntary. He was torn away. It was distressful to him, even after a short time. But it was a separation, just a physical separation, not a separation of the heart. Paul speaks here as a parent who's been torn away from his children. It hurts when we are separated as Christians. And then also under family love here, when we're separated from each other as Christians, we long to see each other again. Right? Paul longed to see the Thessalonians. He said, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. Paul didn't make just a half-hearted token attempt to get back there. No, he made every effort. He exerted himself. The word carries the idea of haste and eagerness. It means he made no delays. He left no stone unturned in his efforts to see them. His efforts to see them was motivated by this intense longing because he was missing them so much. He missed them as a parent, misses a child. He says, we wanted to come to you again and again. He said, certainly I, Paul, did. And so he made multiple efforts. Nothing worked out. So you might wonder, well, Paul, what's stopping you? I mean, if you really want to get back to us so bad, why haven't you? And Paul says, Satan stopped us. Satan is the personal name for the devil. And the name Satan means an adversary or one who opposes. Satan is a personal being who stands in opposition to God and God's people. And Paul says he stopped us. It's a word which means blocked or cut off. It was used of military operations where they would break up a road, making it impassable. Paul wanted to get back, but he couldn't. And you wonder, well, well, how did Satan do that? How did he actually stop Paul from coming back? And Paul doesn't tell us, so we don't really know. We, We can guess. Some people think it might have had something to do with Paul's thorn in the flesh. 
uh, that he talks about in Corinthians. Others think about, uh, remember after the riot, some of the uh, Christian leaders were uh, arrested and they had to post bond. And uh, Some think that it may have been a legal ban that if Paul came back to the city, all of his friends would be thrown in jail. You know, so, you know, maybe that's how Satan did that. But either way, Paul was blocked from returning, and he attributes this blocking to Satan, which raises a very interesting question, doesn't it? How do you know in your life, when you encounter a roadblock, how do you know whether God is stopping you or it's Satan who's stopping you, Right? Paul had both experiences in his life. In this case, he wanted to go back. He says very clearly, it was Satan who stopped him. But there are other examples. For example, in the book of Acts, chapter 16, Paul wanted to go into Bithynia, and he says that the Holy Spirit stopped him from going there. So who is it? How do you know when you encounter a roadblock in your life? How do you know? Is it God or is it Satan? And really, it takes a combination of prayer. You pray about it. Prayer, discernment, looking at the surrounding circumstances. For example, if there is division or confusion, you know that is not of the Lord. That's not of God. And you know what? Sometimes you don't find out until later in life. Sometimes it only becomes clear in hindsight who it was that was stopping you. Other times you may never find out in this life. It's something we'll find out later. Either way, this passage does teach us something very important, the reality of satanic opposition. Sometimes Satan prevents Christian workers from doing the good they want to do. It doesn't mean that God is no longer in control. Satan can only do whatever God gives him permission to do, right? And God can still take anything Satan throws our way and turn it to good. But it does mean that spiritual warfare is real. And it has actual effects on our lives and ministry. Paul says, we wanted to come to you, but Satan stopped us. And so in these first two verses, Paul's speaking in family terms. He's especially using the language of a parent separated from a child. He tells the Thessalonians, I'm missing you. I miss you so much. Why? Because Christian love is family love. Christians have a deep family love for each other. Secondly now, Christians also take family joy in each other. Family joy in each other. Look at verses 19 and 20 with me now. Paul writes, For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So as Christians, we not only have this deep love for each other, but we also take great joy and each other. And once again, it is a family joy. And just as with Christian love, this is a joy that is only deepened further by Christian service and ministry. The Bible tells us that we will rejoice in those whom we have served when Christ returns. When Jesus comes back, you will rejoice in the people that you served in this life. That's how Paul describes it. He calls the Thessalonians his hope, his joy, and his crown. Why are they his hope? Because Paul's looking forward to that day when Christ returns and when Christ will reward him for all of his labors. And who are the Thessalonians? They're, They're part of the fruit of his labors for the kingdom of God. He's invested his life in them. They are his hope because they represent all that he has worked for. 
There is hope. There also is joy. Their faith in Christ brings Paul great joy. This echoes the apostle John once again, right? Who wrote, nothing brings me greater joy than knowing my children are walking in the truth. There is hope, his joy, and also his crown in which he will glory. And the crown here refers to the victor's wreath. You may have seen pictures of that, that they would place on the the head of uh, the athlete who won the contest or the race. Similar to what we do today with a gold medal, right? We give the person a gold medal. So you can almost put it this way. Paul says, you're the gold medal in which we glory. The word glory here means to boast or to take pride in something, but in a good sense, like the way the parent takes pride in their children. Paul's cause for boasting and pride in life Everything that means anything to him comes from the results of his ministry in the lives of other people. We will rejoice in those we have served when Christ returns. But it's not just a future thing. It's not just when Christ returns because those we serve now are also our pride and joy now, here in the present. Because that's what Paul goes on to say at the end of verse 20. He says, Thessalonians, you're my glory and joy even now. I don't have to wait until Christ returns. Right now. And once again, this is the language of a parent for their child. You know, as parents, we always have great hopes for our children. We take great joy in their lives and great pride in their accomplishments. For Rosie and I, our children are our pride and joy. We have so many hopes for them. We love them in the present, and we dream about their future, and it's the same in the body of Christ. Christians take family joy in each other, and Christian ministry deepens that joy to the joy that a parent takes in their child. So Christians have family love for each other. Christians uh, take family joy in each other. And finally, number three, so important, Christians show family concern for each other. Family concern. Look at chapter 3 now in verses 1 through 5. Paul writes, so when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you, and our efforts might have been useless. Christians naturally show family concern for each other's well-being. And once again, when you get involved in ministry, you begin to develop the concern that a parent has for a child. Let me share with you four ways this happens. Just like parents do for their children, we sacrifice our own interests for the sake of those we serve. Isn't that what parents do for their kids? As Christians, we're called to do the same. Paul showed his concern for the Thessalonians in very practical, clear, concrete ways. Uh, first of all, he sent Timothy to them. And that may not seem like a big deal to you, but you've got to understand Paul's situation. Paul was in Athens, a very pagan city. Uh, we read in Acts 17 that Paul was distressed there. He was struggling to share the gospel. It was a hostile environment. He was surrounded by idols. It was a very distressful situation for him. 
But he had Timothy there. And Timothy provided Paul with spiritual, emotional, and financial support. And as long as he had Timothy around, he could devote more time to preaching the gospel. Without Timothy there, Paul's going to have to do it all on his own. He's going to have to go back to working full-time to support his needs while he preached. And yet Paul was so concerned for the Thessalonians that he was willing to be left alone in Athens at great personal cost. The word he uses for being left alone, it's a word that literally means to be abandoned or forsaken. Paul says, I was willing to do that. Didn't want to be left alone, but he could not stand not knowing how the Thessalonians were doing. He had to know how they were doing. He decided it was more important to send Timothy than to take care of his own needs. See, just like parents do for their children, as Christians, we sacrifice our own interests for the sake of those we serve. And number two, just like parents do for their children, as Christians, we give our very best for each other. And in sending Timothy to the Thessalonians, Paul was not only making a great sacrifice, he was sending them someone who could truly help them. Timothy was a brother in Christ and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ. This is interesting. Paul often called people his own fellow workers in the gospel. He does that a lot in his letters. This is the only time in the whole Bible, in all of Paul's letters, only time Paul calls someone God's fellow worker in the gospel. And so Timothy was not just an errand boy. He was a fully qualified minister of Christ who was invaluable to Paul in his own ministry, and yet Paul sent him back. He sent him back to Thessalonica. But why? Because when you care enough, you send the very best. And just like parents do for their children, as Christians, we give our very best for each other. And then, just like parents do for their children, as Christians, we encourage each other Through the hard times. As parents, we do that all the time. Our kids are going through hard times. We encourage them. We strengthen them. That's why Paul sent Timothy. He said, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Remember, the Thessalonians, they were undergoing severe and constant persecution. Paul knew that they needed someone to come alongside them and to strengthen them and encourage them. Help them to stay strong in their faith. The purpose was so that no one would become unsettled by these trials they were going through. Paul had a shepherd's heart, and he did not want to see a single one of his sheep get lost. And so he sends Timothy to them. And not only did he send Timothy to them uh, uh, prior to sending this letter, he'd already sent Timothy. Timothy has now come back to him. But he also sends words of encouragement himself to them. He reminds them about what he told them about these trials. He says, as Christians, we're destined for trials. We're appointed for this. We're appointed to suffer for Christ. Remember what Jesus said, the servant is not above the master. If Jesus suffered, so shall we. In other words, these trials and the persecution should not have been a surprise to the Thessalonians. Paul had forewarned them. I hate to say, I told you so, but I told you so, right? That's kind of what Paul's saying here. But this was part of Paul's basic instruction to the Thessalonians. When he was there, he told them, you know, hey, we kept telling you, we're going to be persecuted, and that's what's happened. And so instead of trials catching us off guard and causing us perhaps to doubt our faith, the trials should really serve as a confirmation 
of your faith in Christ. In other words, this is what happens when you are a Christian who's following Jesus. You're going to be persecuted for your faith. And so Paul encourages them with these words. He says, don't give up on your faith because you're being persecuted. It shows that you're genuine. Hang in there. And then finally, just like parents do with their children, we long to know how our fellow Christians are doing. When our kids go away, whether to summer camp or, or off to college or they've moved away, we want to know how they're doing. Of course, we love them. We want to know. And this, we see in verse 5, this was another reason Paul sent Timothy was for his own reassurance. He couldn't stand it any longer. He had to see how his kids were doing, okay, in Thessalonica. He needed to find out about their faith. His fear was, what if the temp same tempter who had blocked Paul's path back to them, what if he had somehow tempted them and made them doubt their faith? Undid all the good work he had done there. Once again, all of this shows the parents' concern for their child. As parents, we sacrifice our own interests for the well-being of our children. We, we, we give the very best to meet our children's needs. We encourage our children through the hard times. We have a burning desire to know how our children are doing. You see, Christians show family concern for each other. Christian ministry takes that even a step deeper to the level of a parent's concern for their child. Let's wrap this up now. God is love. And he created us so that he could love us and so that we could love him and so that we could love each other. He gives us the precious gift of family, mothers, fathers, children, brothers, sisters, where we experience these deepest bonds of love. Then he places us in a church family where we experience similar bonds of love. As Christians, we have family love for each other. We take family joy in each other. We show family concern for each other. And then God has also given us the joy and privilege of Christian ministry, serving in the body of Christ, where we may experience the wonderful, deep love of a parent for a child. Love is the greatest thing of all, folks, and if you want to experience the greatest love for others in your life, I encourage you, to get involved in ministry. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, what your skills, your talents are, when you get involved serving in the church, you will begin to love others in the church on a whole new level. Christian love is like family love. Ministry love is like the love of a parent for a child. And there's nothing quite like it in the world. So I encourage you, get involved. Minister uh, in the body of Christ. Serve each other. Don't miss out on the greatest love available in the body of Christ. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for Paul's testimony. Thank you that he was so transparent uh, with the Thessalonians, putting, them on, on, putting himself on the same level with them as a, just a brother in Christ, opening his heart to them, letting them know how much he loved them and missed them. And Lord, we learn such important lessons about our own relationships in the body of Christ. Lord, help us never to take the church for granted. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that uh, COVID-19 taught us that lesson with the lockdowns, never to take this for granted. Uh, Lord, I pray every Sunday might be like that first Sunday we came back, and we were so glad uh, to be in the house of God. 
with God's people and with our family, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, help us to find our place of ministry and service in the church, and as we serve others, we will grow in love for them. Lord, it's all your plan. It's all your design. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.